Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Could the proverbial paranormal cold spot be a sign of the multiverse? Are places haunted or people? Can psychic abilities be transmitted through DNA? The Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those crazy questions came from my co-host, partner in The Paranormal, and dad, Paul. And uh, we are coming to you live from WOON, AM, and FM radio here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live and on TuneIn.com. Uh, today we bring you the second of two back-to-back open-line shows with the man himself, our colleague Shane Searway, coming to us via Skype from lovely new hampshire today well shane welcome back to behind the paranormal how's the book coming no i'm not (laughs) right now but between (laughs) vacation and uh taxes and and everything and then buttoning up some ends with my business once i get back so um but hopefully after that and um, i gotta finish off my wife's office and then i'll be on the book okay well yeah we're in the same position trying to finish one too yeah right you know you Life kind of gets in the way, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. well, I'm a professional writer. I don't have time to write. All right, so um, let's get right to it. Why don't we start with a very interesting uh, email from, uh, we, we usually try to give our show reporters priority, and this is from Phil, who is right smack in the middle of the Litchfield Triangle, as we call it in Connecticut, a case we've been working on for 16 years, and uh, one of the most interesting that, that we've dealt with. I've been so, working on this case for 16 years, uphill both ways. Yep. Um, so Phil writes to us, most of us have experienced uh, the vanishing car scenario, uh, but this one is rather intriguing. About a week ago, I was traveling home, and a black SUV was tailgating me. Uh, he was right on my bumper. I needed to slow down uh, and take a left turn to my driveway, and I was uh, growing very annoyed. Uh, I became worried that as I slowed down to make my left-hand turn, the SUV would crash into me and try to pass as I took my left. I glanced down to the, uh, to the turn signal for less than a second to turn it on, and when I looked back up at the rearview mirror, the car was gone. Uh, there are woods on both sides and a guardrail on the right. There was no driveway to go into. There was no explanation other than it vanished. Uh, but none of this is the strange part. As I pulled into uh, my driveway, I was awash with an intense feeling that the SUV driver uh, wondered where I went. Uh, Did I disappear in front of him? Did he think I was the ghost driver? Am I just a normal guy heading home uh, after a long day of work? You know, I have to say that that last sentence is the most telling. This is the same thing as as us being in a case uh, that's uh, doing ghost research and the the quote-unquote ghost who we believe is actually... A uh, flesh and blood person in a parallel reality and an intersect point in the quantum sense uh, thinks that we're ghosts haunting them as they see us in the same way through the electromagnetic membrane and uh, we look glowing or goofy or, or, or spooky or whatever. Uh, so in the same way, and, and this has actually happened to me, and I think it's happened to most people. You know, the car's there and it's not, you know, the, the annoying uh, tailgater and, um, I guess the way the guy was driving, if uh, uh, Philip uh, sort of disappeared in front of him, then scared him, serves him right for the mm. way he was driving him. But uh, I think that that's a real possibility. It uh, it works both ways. These these phenomena. So, I had a fun thing happen to me yesterday. 
I was uh, I was I was driving driving back. You live a very from fun our, life. Yeah, I do uh, vaguely. And um, I, I was I was driving driving back. I was going down the highway, and I you know bug flies into the windshield as they do. And um, you know, so I, you know, I turn on the windshield wipers. I'm just like, oh god, get it, get it off my, get it out, get it out of my view. And so I wipe it off, and I was like, huh. And the little bug was still there. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And so you know, I I, I went, I, I when I got home, I I poked it, and it was on the inside of my windshield and not the outside. Oh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Shane, <laughs> that's crazy. You you have a yeah. you have a pretty interesting life too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, the black SUV now, I've had, I mean, I know it's just part of what we're talking about, but um, I had some run-ins with the black SUV quite quite a few times. But, but yeah, the, the vehicle behind you, but also, you know, people, too, I, it's happened to me. Um, you know, for instance, I was in a department store, and um, and I see this this lady, and she's walking towards me, and she's she, she looks up at me, she smiles real nice, you know. She's walking real slow, very elderly. And there's a, in the middle of this, the main aisle, there was like a display and, uh, you know, with shelving, but it was kind of round or, or square, uh, with four sides. And she, she walks up and I lose her behind that, behind that display. And I'm waiting for her to come around the other side. And she never came and I walked around and she was not there. Um, but, you know, that, that's happened quite a few times. Just, you know, not in a haunted quotations, haunted uh, location, but just in, in everyday life, whether it be people, vehicle, um, you know, or, or whatever, it's there. And then the next thing you know, it's not. And um, and, I, and I do believe, and, and I know you guys do as well, that um, they very well may see us as a ghost, you know, or apparition. Yeah. Now, there's a sequel from Phil uh, as he um, <clears throat> follows up on, on that particular email Ooh, i do love a good sequel uh unless it's a jaws sequel so phil phil continues to write to us for a brief moment uh i had that overwhelming awareness that we all are connected in the multiverse and the multiverse is not a place trying that is not a place to try to get to we are snack dab or smack dab in it uh and the suv driver was likely on some routine drive like me he is no quote-unquote ghost as surely as I am no quote-unquote ghost. Life is everywhere. I like that. Well well stated, Phil. As uh, Jeff Goldblum once said, life is uh, the exception, not uh, the rule. Life oh, no, that's not what he said. Life finds a way. That's what it was. Life, uh, life finds, finds a, way. a way. There we go. <laughs> You're thinking of uh, Sir Fred Hoyle, the astronomer royal, who said that life is the... Sir Fred uh, Hoyle, Jeff is, Goldblum, they're the is, same person. Yeah, right. <laughs> As that life is the is the rule in in the universe, and certainly the multiverse, and and not the exception. So with the panspermia theory, etc. So anyway, uh, no, I, I think that that's very well said, Phil. I think these things happen all the time. We are constantly moving through the multiverse. It's not like you jump from one world to another deliberately, or you smack into it and, and the, something you think is a ghost or Bigfoot comes walking through your your uh, walking out of your closet. Um, I mean that, that can all happen, but we're, we're in the this, this is as real as it gets. This is creation. This is reality. This is uh, the worlds we live in, uh, moving through it all the time. And it just the more dramatic events are the ones we notice. The, the least dramatic events, oh, that's one of those things that you forget about. Now, Shane, any further comment on this point? All right. Sorry, I hadn't. I was on mute. Um, oh. No, but you know, I but I do have to reference um, the near death or when my illness when I was a 
10 year old and it's happened, you know, several times throughout my life too. But, um, but I've talked about the one when I was 10, when I got sick and, um, and when I see the uh, visitation, I get and then I'll, next thing you know, I'm out of my body type of thing. But prior to, um, actually leaving my body, um, it wasn't like, like kind of how, like it's, it was kind of how you, you explain like the flash and nexus, but a little bit different in my experience, but it was, it was kind of like the same thing where I could feel and think like everybody around me, whoever I wanted to, uh, feel or, or experience, um, what they were experiencing. I could at any given time, no matter who they were around me, as long as I put my mind on them, I could, I could see through them and feel what they were feeling. Um, so, um, I, I mean, that kind of relates, I think, to what, uh, what, what he just said, but, um, I just want to share that. Sure. Uh, okay. Why don't we, uh, move to some of the questions we didn't get to last week? And Ben, if you want to take that one on the bottom from Steve in Florida. Sure. Uh, so, Steve writes to us, is a, is a cold spot, quote unquote, evidence of the multiverse existing? I know you already used the phrase thin spot in your research. What are your thoughts? Alright, well, uh, there's something I have to kind of clarify here. The, the, uh, the article that's, uh, that accompanied this, was about a cold spot being uh, evidence for the multiverse, but the cold spot they were talking about is an astronomical phenomenon in the, in the constellation of Eridanus. Okay, mm. and it's uh, the, the indication is that is that it it's a lot colder than any place else in the in the known universe, uh, physical universe, and it may be a spot where there is a, another bubble universe. That's that's a, a metaphor that's often used by physicists to describe the Big Bang um, as, as a, a birth of a sort of space-time foam with all these kind of bubble worlds uh, or universes there. And uh, the cold spot <clears throat> has been uh, it's been uh, theorized that perhaps this is, uh, or at least postulated, that, that, that this is a, a spot where one of these universes intersects our own. So, uh, however, when most of the uh, uh, vintage listeners of this show would hear cold spot, they would think, aha, that's what happens when a ghost is present and sucks all the, the warmth out of a room. And uh, so just to avoid a little confusion, I, 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 if we're talking about the, uh, the multiverse in the, in the context of cosmology, we've got the cold spot in Eridanus, not a cold spot in a haunted room. All right. Mm. Um, that said, uh, the cold spot phenomenon itself may indicate Something that that that, that uh, may be multiversal, that the coming and going across membranes of beings or entities or things like this, on a much uh, less grand scale than uh, the one that the article was referring to in in, in Eridanus. Uh, oddly enough, you know, because a lot of my paranormal experiences that I've written about are very different from most people's. Uh, I have only experienced. The cold spot, which is supposed to be ubiquitous, it's supposed to be present in so many cases, only once. And that was about maybe 48 years ago at a case in Manchester, Connecticut, when we were being, uh, we being a couple of friends of mine and I, were being shown around a house that was supposedly haunted, a farmhouse, and something followed us and turned off the lights as, as, <laughs> as we went. And so I turned around and followed it uh, into a room and it disappeared, and it was all—it was really cold, all of a sudden. 
So maybe the cold spot is an indication both cosmologically and uh, paranormally of some sort of intersect point with a parallel reality. Because this entity wasn't, I couldn't see it, but its presence was very, very strong. And um, uh, that's the only time I've ever felt that. Um, Either you fellas ever felt the cold spot that's commonly talked about? I have. Space voyage? (laughs) I have quite a few times, but it's not there every every time. I mean, the majority of the time it's not, but... um, Quite a few times I've experienced the cold spot, and the majority of those times where I did, um, it was preceded by, well, I, it started off, I should say, with um, a pop or a snap um, it, mm. that real loud. You can't hear, you know, like a, like a static discharge, you know, you touch the doorknob type of thing, but, but very, very loud. Sometimes there's been a smell or like an ozone type of thing um, or a bad smell, but majority of the time it was just a loud pop. Then you get the cold spot, and then activity starts to take place. I mean, it was like, boom, you knew it was going to happen. Um, you, and, and so also, um, that's been picked up on some of my electrical equipment. Um, you know, I don't use gear because a lot of it's just junk. We know that. But but in order to rule them out or rule them out, you know, as being rule that they are junk and they're kind of useless, you gotta you got to play with them anyway. So, mm. um, But I've had, like, audio recorders that change um you know prior to a cold spot or you'll you'll get like a frequency change so where you you can get the audible pop um with with ears sometimes the 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 frequency on the recording changes then you get the cold spot and then activity happens um or you get with evp and i think a lot of them are just you know sound waves or what but i think a lot of them are legit because they they've i've gotten recordings that call me by name Referencing that are going on in the room, um, things of that nature, and a lot of during those recordings, I would say the majority of those recordings start with a change in frequency. So where you just get like a white noise on your audio recorder, just a ch- all of a sudden you'll get a, you know, and there'll be like a frequency change that comes in, and then all of a sudden you'll get voices or or things will start happening in the room. Um, so something definitely takes place um, to to allow that crossover, you know, that interaction, the interaction um, to to happen, and um, and sometimes it seems to um, you know be followed by by a cold spot, but but not always. Most of the time, it's not. But yeah, I, I have have definitely experienced them. Uh, ben, this audio stuff is right up your street. So it, I, I suppose it is. Um... That is actually kind of interesting. I was I was considering why that might be while you were talking about it, Shane, and I will probably be considering it for a while because um, I don't have anything directly off the top of my head. But no, but to answer one of the two questions you posed, Father, uh, I have never experienced a cold spot in any case that we've 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 been on, whether by myself or with you, not once, um, which I think is interesting. Uh, I just ne- just never happened, or if it happened, maybe I just don't remember, or just yeah, didn't. I just it's just not something. Maybe it's our DNA or something. Oh, maybe or maybe we just don't look for it or don't care. If that's <laughs> that might have something to do well, with no, it. Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm aware of the 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 possibility of it certainly, and the uh, fact that so many other people. I just don't don't feel it. Just that one time. Yeah, I, don't know, I just I've, I've just never had the experience. And two, I I do think. I, I do find it interesting that um, that that 
I, I think physics is a fun science because they make stuff up a lot of the time. And they just kind of make well, in order in hope that it'll fit in to answer some right. That's, like, and sometimes it does. Sometimes like it a, doesn't. It's like that joke about uh, molecular molecular biology. Uh, why why did uh, why did the doctor why do doctors and scientists not trust atoms? They, they make everything up. Huh. That's like uh, like good one, good one, good one. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's kind it's kind of true. I remember uh, <laughs> I had a I had an astronomy teacher in in college. And he was a real, real fun guy. Uh, he sounded like Ray Romano. And uh, I remember one time he was he was explaining something to us, and he was like, "Well, you know, if uh, if if an astronomer doesn't know how to explain something, they'll usually say a collision did it, or <laughs> or they, they'll they'll have like their go-to explanations for things. And it's kind of fun because I, I remember that every time I hear something, because they're like, "Oh, this might be this." And then they, you know, because it's like, you know, at the end of the day, we don't really know. <laughs> no, no. And there's really no way to know. I do think it's interesting that um, in both cases that temperature is an association with a shift in perceived reality, mm-hmm. but also in, in physical space, right? So it's it's interesting that temperature has something to do with it. I'm wondering um, if it has something to do with gravity in some way, shape, or form, or some sort of atmospheric change. Or what have you? I think I think that a lot of the time it's 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 fun watching science like physics that's trying to kind of explain the world is having a hard time doing it with materialistic means now. Oh yeah, because now we're coming to this sort of place where we're like, okay, well we've described everything we can empirically, but we're still experiencing X, Y, and Z. All right, we got to figure this out now, and it's like, how do we kind of like make it fit this mold? I think it's it's hard because the idea of the the multiverse is proven mathematically, but it's it's so esoteric that it's like hard to conceive. So I think any sort of anomaly that's found, if you've read any sort of articles that have popped up in mainstream science now, you, you'll see, oh, this might mean alternate realities. But it's like at the end of the day, it's like you know, you'll have some scientists say, well, no, it's not really what it means. And it's like you know, it's just misinterpreting of of different ideas and all that. So I've I've become dubious of it because I think at the end of the day we're losing sort of sight of uh, of, of kind of the whole the whole picture by focusing on random things. And I, I don't think they're ever going to find some sort of empirical thing like aha we found the other universe. Yeah, well there there are eruptions now and then of of, of excitement about certain findings, but. But uh, and the, the, one of the troubles with science, and we've gotten into this with Laurie Greer, our, uh, one of our producers, who is a behavioral scientist, they don't talk to each other. You know, physicists no. do, do not generally, now, now there are some exceptions, you know, uh, interdisciplinary conferences and things, but generally uh, they don't know what's going on in other sciences, and, and that, that's one of the, the downfalls of Western thinking. It's compartmentalized rather, rather than holistic. Right, because then you end up missing things that other disciplines see. Yeah, right? Exactly. That's why you know the the study of history is kind of flawed because it's approached like a science rather than a story. Yeah. So it's like it's the same thing, right? Human experience. Yeah. Exactly. You can't. That's why I'm not a huge fan of sociology because it's really hard to codify the human experience. Oh yeah. I mean, there's definitely similarities. That's for sure, and you can't ignore that. And there's definitely trends and all that 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 exist. But the problem is that no, you're right. Nobody talks to each other. But the materialism, scientific materialism, is really dead, and they don't know where to go now. No, a lot of them, because that's all they know. 
So uh, they kind of they kind of <laughs> wrote themselves into a corner. Well, it's not like they're going to take us seriously, but nevertheless, we're pointing out alternatives. I want to get back to something Shane said before we leave this uh, this question, and that's the idea of smells. Now we've done one show in. Uh, 13 years oh, now. Oh, yeah, olfactory senses. Olfactory senses. Yes. Because uh, I'm thinking in the Bridgeport case, and Shane, Shane might want to comment on this, in the Bridgeport case, 1974, the poltergeist thing I was working on with Ed and Lorraine Warren, there were, uh, when the attack, I call it the attack, came on Monday night, the 25th of November, 1974, in, in the living room of the house by four entities, there was a strong smell coming from the kitchen where they came from of ozone. And also kind of now and then uh, rotten eggs kind of thing. And you can see where sulfur has been traditionally associated with uh, with the devil, you know, uh, because uh, they would, uh, I think maybe when these things would occur, they, they didn't know what, really what they were, well, but they would smell these things. Because when we did that show, I'm trying to remember the guest's name. Jeff Cutchin. Jeff Cutchin. He made a really interesting point that sulfur was actually a cleansing smell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ben's got to answer the phone. I always <laughs> have to answer the phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, anyway, but um, so Shane, I mean, uh, how many times have you run into strange smells like that? Quite a few times, and actually, the the first time it ever happened, I was younger. It was before I actually actively started um, investigating because I was I was a child. But I was at a friend's house, and. Um, his house was pretty crazy. There's a lot of wacky things that happen all the time. TV turning off, off fan, fan turning on and off, even when they were unplugged. And um, one time we were in the living room, and there was you walk from the living room into a bedroom, and then from that bedroom into another bedroom. It was a it was a weird apartment. But in that the last bedroom was this one of those bars you know you can kind of place anywhere like a um, and the lady had like these model horses you know like you know just. One you could hold in one hand, you know, but they were about, I don't know, eight inches tall or whatever, and she painted them or whatever, and she had them displayed. All of a sudden, we started seeing these horses flying through both bedrooms in, into the wall so we could see where the living room was and just smashing against the wall. And we hear things moving around. We go into the one bedroom. We're looking into the to the master bedroom at the far end, and the, the queen-size bed is just shimmying around the whole room and, and um, hopping up and down, and I grabbed the first thing I could find. It was like this little teacup, um, and I threw it as hard as I could, and it went underneath the bed, and when it did, the loudest scream you could ever hear, like we literally had to cover our ears. It just, it was so loud, um, but during that whole time, all you could smell is like a really rotten egg smell, mm. but what I, I do want to bring up too is, and I know there might be a call or whatever, but um, is... It's, it's, I don't think a, a coincidence that people in haunted homes prior to activity taking place smell these rotten smells. Um, also, people that claim to be, a, a lot of people, not everyone, but abducted by aliens or have alien interactions smell sometimes a rotten, foul smell. Also, people that encounter Bigfoot before they do smell a rotten, horrible smell. They, at times, all say sulfur, rotten egg smell. And that could be a process of... Um, or a result of the process taking place that allows the interaction between us and them as opposed to coming from them itself. Very good point. Okay, do we have a call? What we got there, Ben? Well, we have a question from Anita. Uh, she did not want to go in the air. But she, oh, Anita from Colorado? Yes, oh. but she did ask me to relay it, and I will, and I will do my best to. Um, 
Anita was was wanted to ask a question specifically in in regards to muscle memory, in regards to paranormal activity. That is it possible that it could be muscle memory that's kind of replaying when people are being haunted by things. Well, that's an interesting coincidence because uh, I happen to have the question because he sent that to us on Facebook. And I had it in the questions today, so. Oh, look at that. Uh, well, that means we'll get to it today, at least, because. Yeah. Anita called and moved up to the front of the line. There we go. So, See, that's, um, that's the trick. Yeah, <laughs> so, so muscle memory in the sense of, um, uh, the, the way her question was verbally, uh, worded in, in, in writing, that, uh, when you have, uh, a, a, well, what would traditionally be called a residual haunting, which I don't really believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would have this kind of a, the Earth's kind of muscle memory sort of thing, as as you would have in your body. So uh, I don't know. You or Shane want to tackle that one? Well, I think first we are coming up on our break. Oh, we are. Yes. So perhaps we should take the break, uh, get our get our proverbial answers together, and then oh, good proceed. idea. All right. Okay, so you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with special guest uh, co-host Jane Searway today, Open Lines, on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's very nice Blackstone River Valley. And we will be right back, so stay with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and today's Shane Searway. We have an open line show here on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM. And let's get back to it. So uh, we have a question from Anita in Colorado. Yes, uh, which to reiterate the question. Yeah, just briefly. Is, uh, is in regards to paranormal experiences, what is the relationship between muscle memory and I guess uh, in regards to residual hauntings or hauntings in general? Well, I threw that question into the muscular arms of you and Shane. So. Uh, you know what? Shane, you first. <laughs> okay. Um, well, yeah, like, like you, you guys, I don't like um, residual haunting and what, what that implies. And um, like your home is not a DVR, um, you know, <laughs> and I, I don't really like that because what their explanation is, is is the fact that they don't really have one. So they have to say something because they're supposed to be the one investigating your home and and they, they have to have the answers, right? So they just they invent this stuff. And, and it's okay to say that you don't know or that we don't know. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't like that at all. It doesn't make sense. And, but what I, what I do believe and what I have seen um, is, you know, these events have taken place and that seem to replay. You know, they don't interact with us. They're doing their own thing at their own um, time. If you, if you will, I've encountered it, I've seen it, and um, they're not aware of me, uh, and they're dressed from a different time type of thing. They all seem to take place in areas where there were very very strong dramatic events, um, you know, whether it's Gettysburg or in a home where there was a murder, you know, or, or things of that nature, something that there was something very dramatic that took place. And what I believe is um, the thing that crosses over between one parallel to the next easiest um, and, and, and more commonly 
are strong emotional events. So these emotions, uh, you know, have frequency or whatever. Um, they seem to cross over just like love, you know, and just, but these dramatic, horrible events too, at the same time, despair, you know, fear, anger, sadness, um, in, in these horrific, dramatic times, these traumatic events or whatever, um, that, that's what I think is, is, is happening. Not your home is a DVR and not that the battlefield is a DVR. You know, or the rock recorded the event and it's, you know, letting loose what, you know, what it recorded, you know, 50 years later. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, I, I really I think, could go for a good episode of Gettysburg tonight. <laughs> yes. So what I believe is it's, it's an emotional, um, bleed over, um, you know, say like layers of an onion and the dramatic event is die dropped on, on one parallel and, and it bleeds into the next type of thing. It crosses over into that next parallel. Um, based on you know that emotional um, trauma or, or or dramatic type of thing. Yeah, it's very well put, I'd say. Yeah, I, I do think that that's interesting, and I think there might be a, a link there psychologically as well. It is interesting that you bring up trauma, Shane, because I was actually going to bring that up too. Because I, I do, I don't want to to put down um, the idea that just because you're you're experiencing something doesn't mean it's it's completely paranormal there is that the an, an idea of um you know trauma kind of being being kept in 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 your body as sort of like a muscle memory type thing um it's so I, I do i do think that that's that's entirely possible that way you don't blame ghosts for everything um and i i do i do think that there's a relationship between the two what that might be i don't know because i'm not a psychologist um, but I, I, I will say that I do think that there's, that there's a, an element of it where maybe there's some sort of memory, like a scent, maybe even a sense memory, an olfactory sense memory or something that could be linked with it as well. I think that, um, it could be just a, a perfect storm of a bunch of different things happening at the same time. And it's, it's probably not, not fair to assume it's all one thing. It could be a bunch of different things happening all at the same time. We don't know. Yeah. Really, it comes down to the experience of, of whoever is experiencing the experience. Well, I was reading a very interesting thing the other day about, uh, and they explained my, my uh, hot dog dependency, I think, is that uh, when you have the smells and tastes of things, you're not necessarily a compulsive overeater or anything. You just It makes you think of your childhood. And the older you get, the more effective that can be. In the sense, you smell something, and it makes you feel young again. Or you, you eat something you probably shouldn't at your age, and uh, <laughs> you know makes you feel young again, at least till you have a heart attack. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, so that, that was interesting too. So smells are very important in the paranormal and uh, everywhere else, apparently. Ah, uh, yes, so, your senses um, are important. Shane, any more thoughts on that before we leave the uh, to the next to the next uh, question? I guess not. Okay. All I'm right. sorry. Yeah, I, I'm mute. I'm trying to mute because my. My office is a little noisy right now. I apologize, but uh, uh, but no, I, I think we covered it well. Okay. Uh, now we have a question, uh, actually left over. Uh, Salvatore from New Jersey uh, wrote uh, in last week, and we I think we didn't get to the second part of his question. Uh, the first one had to do with uh, the particular geographic places which paranormal phenomena manifest, and, and we got into that last week, and. Um, Okay, and we have a call. We have a caller. Okay. 
right. But anyway, uh, Salvatore uh, has a second part of the question here. It says, sometimes these paranormal manifestations appear to be connected directly to certain persons, regardless of geographic localities, although these events may involve both particular places and specific persons simultaneously rather than separately. For example, hauntings may be anchored to a definite small spot or house or larger locality, but it may also be linked directly with the persons, person or persons, regardless of location. And um, th- I think we can, we can leave it at that because one of our qu- initial questions was, are people haunted or places? And uh, Shane, I'm going to throw that to you when the time comes, but I guess we have a caller. We do indeed, and it is uh, Michelle from Florida. Oh, well, well, Michelle, welcome to WOON. You're on the air. Hello, Paul, Ben, and Shane. It is so nice to um, get through to you guys and talk. Um, I've been emailing you a lot, and um, you've helped me with some material for my master's thesis. So if that gives you any clue of who this is. Uh, yes, I think so. Sure. See, I, t- I told you it was a test. <laughs> yes. And actually, uh, Paul, I, I asked Michelle to call in because of um, the the one of the questions that we might be getting into tonight today is right up her alley. She knows she's been doing a lot of research on it. And as far as um, can psychic abilities be transmitted through DNA? And I know we're, we're covering a different question right now, but uh, she, I think she's a great person to have call in for this for that question. Well, great. We're gra- glad to have you, Michelle. Uh, Shane, uh, take it away. <laughs> okay, so um, Michelle, how are you doing? Um, great, thanks. How are you? Good. So, um, yeah, we t- we talked about this subject, and and please, please enlighten our, our um, listeners because I I know you you've done a lot of research and you have a lot of answers in that direction. Oh, geez, the pressure is on. Thanks <laughs> <so much> <laughs> hey, you're among friends. Oh no, yeah, I well. I called in specifically after, like, you were guys were talking about smells, and um, that reminded me of the research that was done with um, mice, inducing the fear, uh, or inducing the sense of fear whenever they smell cherry blossoms. And what was really interesting was that fear was passed on to their offspring. And what the really cool part of that experiment was that the males did not have any involvement at all with the babies. So the experiment proved that you can pass something such as fear onto a child, and it's not done epigenetically, it's done genetically. So to answer that question, if fear can be passed on, then so can such things as gifts and talents such as psychic abilities. And um, what my PhD paper is going to cover is that our ancestors are our blood and bones, and our blood and bones is a technology that which our soul can literally plug into and basically like a computer almost tap into the, you know, latent dormant abilities that we may have that go all the way back through our genetic line. You know, that, that, that's a, a really brilliant observation. We're always pointing out, or at least I am, that, that we are the sum of all our ancestors. Yeah. That kind of fits right in with what you were saying. Uh, Shane, thoughts? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but also, I don't want to ignore one one other area, too, um, on that topic. Um, I definitely believe what, what she's saying, and she has way more information about it than I do. And um, But also, if you look at some of the people who um, have encounters like um, abductions or whatever, and they've, they've gained 
abilities after the fact. Uh, mine was a, a near death, and then also my interactions that I've had a, a, since child with with these alien type things and my abilities, which I never talk about and I won't go into right now, um, were were gained after those um, experiences that I had. And this is a common thing with um, with people too, with, with other people that have those interactions, and all of a sudden they they have abilities. So is 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 what's taking place uh, a change in the DNA? Is that is am I an experiment or those people experiments? And can it happen naturally, like uh, Michelle is talking about? I just it's very interesting to me. I actually think I'm glad you brought that up because I think they go hand in hand. I think that trauma within the human experience is a way of tapping into these abilities. And, it's, and, and you know, from a human perspective, it's like, like from an animalistic human perspective, it's um, a survival mechanism, basically. Mm-hmm. But to look at it from, like, a spiritual perspective, it is your soul's ability of adapting to the changing environment. So that's why, like, we are a very advanced technology. And don't, you know, like, I, I try and say... Don't think of technology when I say that as in you're plugging it in or there's batteries involved. There is, like, advanced technology, meaning the way your soul interacts with the DNA, which, you know, is a, you know, more of an etheric type of thing um, that, you know, is comprised of our, you know, material body. So the way our soul physically plugs into it is the way that you were, you know, your individual essence profile, your frequency was adapting to that trauma and that's another thing that I, I will probably cover in my PhD is the different levels of trauma and what comes out of that. Um, and it could be, you know, a horrible trauma or something that is more of a, you know, like an experience of good type of trauma. Um, so sorry, I'm, I don't want to go on and on about that because I know the show is almost coming to the end. So no, it's 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 fascinating stuff. Um, my my question would be after after that's brought up, in your opinion. Um, are, is is the soul and the body or the DNA, are these all separate things? Well, I think that when you're here in this reality, everything's working in conjunction. So now, like, the materialist will say, yeah, it's all separated. The spiritualist will say, no, it's not, but they're both right. <laughs> I mean, when you leave the body, you're, you know, the DNA in your body is decomposing going back into the ground. Your soul is wherever it's going. Um, but you're taking the experience with you. So in my opinion, they're both right. Both things, all things can be separated and at the same time not separated because then where do we go when we leave here? Are we still a part of that which went into the ground? Is that still a part of everything? Because if then, then no, we don't get separated. So in my opinion, in this reality, we are never, ever going to get the, the answer that we want. But that's the beauty of this environment, is that you're pushed to the limits to answer these questions. And if you're not, like, squeezed and put through this trauma and the suffering, you never get to that point where you say, what the heck is going on and how do I figure this out for myself? That's so actually, I think, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Michelle. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I'm one of those people that comes down right into the middle and says, you know what, you're both right. So, you know, basically get over yourself, come to the middle and see that, yes, you can take things apart, and yes, they can be put back together, and yes, that both works. It just depends on where you're at 
with your development and what reality you're working in, what part of the multiverse that you guys talk about you're working in. Because some of some in some multiverses you have to be a materialist. In other multiverses you don't. So in this specific sector of the multiverse, we're human. And we are if you hit us, you know, we hurt and we bleed. So that's you know, that's the truth of it in this reality. And according to my opinion, and I don't know everything. Well, none of, none of us, none of us does. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Still, I think a very adept analysis. Hmm. Um, the, the the simultaneity of all time is something I think we can discuss at some point. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Michelle, this is not over. I think we'll stay in touch, and I think we'd like to have you back on about this. But uh, thank Be you brilliant. very much for calling in today. Yeah, thank you for allowing me the time, and um, I look forward to listening to the rest of the show. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. So, um, uh, getting back to Salvatore's question, I think we we can probably do. We we had a couple of long questions I wanted to get to, but um, I already stated it. But it was essentially, uh, I, I think, what it comes down to, and I hope I'm getting it right, Salvatore, is are people haunted or places? Because the, the spatial locations of people doesn't sometimes doesn't uh, have any relevance uh, seemingly to the amount of haunting they have to endure. You know, to put it in, in, in the more common parlance. Mm. Shane, uh, this is kind of up your street, too. So is it people who are haunted or places? Well, in the event of uh, the negative, more negative haunts, it's it's almost always the person. And, and so they're there for us with a connection with us and, and you know, that emotional connection and how they feed off of, of that energy and, and those emotions. So that's what initiates it. That's, you know, what draws them in, and that's what keeps them there. So um, as far as the ones, you know, that don't seem to interact, there are those two, but they're, they're kind of a different um, type of thing. you got one that doesn't acknowledge you and one that feeds off of you, and, and those are the two common. And the ones, like I said, that... that seem to replay or, or not not residual but they're like a crossover of something um dramatic that happened at, at some point that emotional um, energy type of crossover um and sometimes there's interactions with um we have positive interactions but they don't seem to be you know um they don't seem to happen a lot in a dwelling or whatever but the ones that do seem nice and happen a lot in a dwelling are usually in a home that's conducive have natural aiding elements in the in, you know in in the environment or in the on the property or near the property that kind of helps that that crossover such as the case you know all these uh, flat barrier cases and we dictate kind of what comes through so if you get a dysfunctional family there um, bad things come through and if you have a, a loving family it's just a b- bunch of weird things that'll happen but no one's really being attacked so um, but for for the the negative ones, it's always the person being haunted because people can move and it falls them every time. Um, it may start affecting them at work. It might affect them when they're pumping gas, you know. Um, so it's, it's most of the time, well, the negative ones are almost always uh, the person being haunted. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, I, I really get that, Chair. I think it's well put. Uh, just to um, expand a little bit, uh, I think that um, we I, I've often referred to uh, entities or parasites that are attached to the land. I think what maybe I should quote, clarify that and say uh, they they happen to be manifesting when people are there on land uh, where the geotechnic factors are conducive to movement between parallel worlds. All right, um, I, I think Shane is absolutely right about the, the kind of people who who are there. 
uh, there's an old philosophical cliche, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, is uh, does it make a noise? And it sounds like a dumb question, but it really isn't. What what is the noise? It's it's a bunch of uh, vibrations set up in the air that, that that hits your ears. If there are no ears there to hear it, does it make a noise? Maybe not. So in the same way, uh, if nobody's there to uh, have the experience or to participate in the paranormal experience, does one take place? Um, the close. The only answer I could think of is no. Would be in your neck of the woods, Shane. When I was at the the Ritter House in um, uh, remind me of the name of the town. It's Wilton, Wilton, New Hampshire. Wilton, New Hampshire. Exactly. Yeah, senior moment. Uh, I have a lot of those lately. It makes you feel better. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I was standing outside, and you could hear. I don't know if you were with me or not that time. Uh, you could hear uh, a repeating sound coming from the house, like some, some something banging. Uh, but there, but nevertheless, we weren't in the house, but we were outside and we were hearing it. So uh, that might be just an illustration. Oh, ben, did you have any thought on this? I do. Uh, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, I think. I think the first thing is we should define the word haunted. Right. Do we do we mean um, a negative experience, positive experience? Can there be positive hauntings? Uh, can there be? If that's the case. Then, if there's, you know, it, then would you say that, re- you know, religious or spiritual sites would those technically be haunted, or, or, um, is that is that just all human belief, fun- fueled by geotechnical anomalies, and maybe it's both. I don't know, because um, I, I I do like the idea of thin places. I th- I think that that's that's very very accurate to my experience anyway. So I think I think one thing we've kind of lost. At least in the modern world, is that place is very important when it when it comes to these things. That being in a certain place is is good. Is I don't want to say good. Being in a certain place means it it has power. Place is important, and that if we go to a certain place, that you know, i.e., let's say Stonehenge, right, or even America Stonehenge, you go there and it's a it's a place. It's important. And there's something there that kind of draws you, and you're not really sure what it is. And I think that maybe maybe it's a haunting, maybe it isn't. Who knows? But I think I think the 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 term that needs to be defined first is haunted. Good point. And and I think that the answer is both. People can be haunted and places. And I think that we need to define the haunting first. You know, is it a parasite, or perhaps is it? I don't know. Um, Maybe you happen to make some sort of connection with some entity across across the worlds, and you know you somehow you're connected with it, whether you're it or it's you or something like that in 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 the multiverse. Or perhaps you know you go to a certain place because it makes you feel calm for whatever reason. You know you go up, you find a find a little like you know trail or something you go on, and it becomes important. It becomes a good haunting, quote unquote, perhaps. Because you've invested that time, right? So example A would be, um, you know, you investigated that house where an old man would go down the stairs every day. He would do the same thing every day, every day, every day. It became a haunted place, but mm-hmm. in a good way because it's that place existing the way it's always existed. Because it's that place there, it's that place other places as well. I think that that's that I think place is important as well as people. Yes. Shane, any final thoughts on that? No, no, I think I think we covered it. Okay, look at that. 
All right, now, uh, Salvatore has a third, we don't have much time, but a third part of the question, we can at least get thinking about it, right at the very bottom of the page there, Ben. Oh, wow. Alrighty, Salvatore, we'll do, do our best. Um, and he writes, finally, are certain individuals more prone or sensitive to experiencing such paranormal phenomena? Are there uh, transgenerational lineages or even uh, genetically transmitted psychic abilities, which we actually kind of Everybody's covered? Everybody's interested in that today. I guess, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry for asking so many questions, but such issues seem to be long-term concerns uh, across many, if not all, cultures, societies uh, for many years, decades, centuries, millennia. Uh, how can all that data be adequately collected and made uh, reasonable sense of, even if it is just considered our contemporary experiences, such as paranormal phenomena? Well, very, very good and complete. We, we have answered some of that. Uh, I think how you know how do you gather such information? Uh, <clears throat> the uh, folklore and and uh, myth, as it's called, uh, are not necessarily made up stories of you know things that aren't true. They are, as as I've often said, the vessel of the memory of the human race. And <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the things that have happened to us in in our in our history uh, from the beginning, whatever that was. Uh, have been uh, codified in stories that were passed on uh, for centuries by uh, shaman and, and, and uh, other people who were the folklorists of the verbal stage of humanity and, and the early verbal stage. And then finally they were written down in their stories. So I think uh, folklore is to be taken very seriously. On the other hand, when you have folklore about, like, vampires, I mean, it doesn't mean they're literally European noblemen in, in red capes. Uh, yeah, I think know, Bram Stoker kind of... Instead of your own free will. Or Anne Rice. You, Anne Rice, yeah, yeah I like yeah. Anne Rice, yeah. Uh, but but that, you have to look at what the reality might be behind the label we put on it that we can understand or behind behind the story storybook label. Right. Know? I think the the important thing, especially when it comes to folklore and myth, is that you know it, you can't look at it like oh well you know they just they there's lightning and they just made a god around it. It's like no, these are how they perceived reality. Yeah. Is this is how they experienced it and this is how it was recorded. Yeah, Shane. No, I mean I think some people are more prone to. You know, I think that was one of the questions: was are some people more prone, or why, or whatever, yeah, um, to to experience some of these things, and can it be passed down, or whatever? And I, I do believe that because, um, for instance, things changed for me after the, what, that illness I told you about, and during that visitation that I had, they, you know, that that being told me that you have to be brought here so you're connected. And, and the way they explained it to, to me was kind of like um, a preset on a radio. They didn't use those that terminology, but that's how I kind of understood it was kind of like a preset on the radio of your of a radio station. You know, you're scrolling the, the, the radio looking for a station. You find one, you know, you hit a preset so you can go back to it whenever you need to. Um, otherwise, But if you never ran across that station, you would never know it existed. You would never have been able to listen to those sound waves. And so, kind of like people that have, whether it be accidental or kind of like in my case, experienced something um, on that, that level, um, they're now forever kind of connected to it. They're more prone to experience it again. And, um, and I can do things to, to open myself up to those things. And sometimes it happens to me when I don't want it to. And I can hear and feel things that nobody else around me can. And sometimes it can make me very anxious, especially when I'm in, in a, a crowded area. I've had to leave places sometimes because I just get overwhelmed. And, um, but no one else seems to be able to experience what I do. Um, 
But uh, I was going to add another point, but I got sidetracked there. Um, That's all right. We're, we're out of time anyway. Okay. You were saying good stuff, Shane. Yeah, good good stuff, yeah. Uh, Take it away, Ben, with the announcements. Yes, uh, which the first of the announcements is, um, if I'm looking at it correctly, I am looking at it correctly, and the announcement is you can check out our books along with those of our guest co-hosts at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can also find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and how to book us along with some of our 900-plus free recorded shows from our 12-plus years on the air, including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. And we are two weeks away from our 13th anniversary show, Lucky 13. We'll be starting our 14th year on the air. And then uh, right after that is our 900th show, so we're looking forward to that. We have a couple of special things planned for that uh, that day. That's the 20th of June. Uh, anyway, uh, check out our uh, podcasts, uh, our recorded shows. Uh, they're at BehindTheParanormal.com and on all iTunes and all the major platforms there. Uh, we are still uploading 2008, so, but most, most of them are there, and we're going to be uploading our special shows and podcasts. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there, including the Rendlesham series from 2010 to 2011. Uh, what barn burners? Those <clears throat> Oh, yeah, absolutely. A couple of firsts on that, on that mm, series. Indeed. So the website uh, has a charity page along with uh, links to several good causes we have adopted on the show. And now we have added a new charity, Hope for Hilldale Cemetery uh, in Haverhill, Massachusetts, run by our good friend Tom Spitaleri. Uh Other charities include USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, uh, Helping Haiti's Orphans, Youth Mentoring Connections in Los Angeles, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, the Sisterhood of Ground Zero, along with the Milk Fund here in northern Rhode Island. What's going on next week, Ben? So, next week, uh, that's uh, May 23rd, we'll welcome uh, Betty Friedson, an author and uh, clinical social worker who applies intuition and psychic abilities in her work. That should be uh, illuminating. Yes, indeed. Uh, the, the grief she puts up with is amazing. Mm. <clears throat> so, in honor of Ben's uh, recent fifth wedding anniversary uh, with my lovely daughter-in-law, Marion, we leave you today with a romantic thought from that lovable 13th century Persian philosopher and theologian, Rumi. What? I'm, sorry, I'm saying we have one minute. Uh, okay. The minute, that's the <laughs> first part of the quote, I heard my first love story, I started looking for you, not knowing how blind that, that was. Lovers don't find, finally meet somewhere. They're with each other all along. Very uh-huh. multiversal. It's very, it's very sweet, Dad. I it appreciate is. that. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're a little, little late, uh, but uh, you know what? It's the thought, and I well, appreciate it. But the last two weeks, we haven't had time to do the quote, so th- this oh, is supposed true. to have been uh, like. I know. Like, hey, you know, you you planned it out, uh, and I even made a little pun without realizing it, and you did a great job, and I'm very proud of you. Okay, very good. <laughs> anyway, I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Stairway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Blackstone Valley's Owen Ray.